0: listening to Doing Law Differently. Join me, Lucy Dickens, as I explore how the world's most progressive legal service providers are doing law differently. Welcome back to the Doing Law Differently podcast. Early May marked my 10-year anniversary at the law firm where I work, which is Birmingham Ride, a small law firm over in Perth, Western Australia. Now it's not all that common for employees to stick around in a job for 10 years anymore and when I think back on all the things that I've done in the last 10 years, it feels like quite a decent chunk of time. I quite often get questions from listeners about my journey and especially lately from junior lawyers and from law students who are interested in understanding my career path and what I've done to get myself into the kind of work that I do today. So I thought I'd spend this episode sharing some reflections from my 10 years of doing law differently. I don't often talk about what it is I do on the podcast, so let me give you a little bit of an introduction. Today, I wear a lot of hats. I like life that way because I find it far more interesting. So I am a lawyer. I'm a legal practitioner. I'm a senior associate at Berman and Ride, the small law firm here in Perth. My job title might be senior associate, but there's a lot of variety in what I do. My practice areas are wills and deceased estates and also conveyancing, But I spend most of my time training and mentoring staff and on practice management. So from everything from business development, process improvement, project management, marketing, to managing a trust account and all the other fun parts that come with running a legal business. Our law firm also owns a software company. We've designed our own practice management system, Contacts Law, and I am very much involved in designing that, which is one of my absolute favorite parts of what I do. There are other bits and pieces as well. Obviously, I host this podcast. I offer business coaching to forward-thinking lawyers who are looking to change their business to practice law or to run their legal business in more of a modern way. And I also host another podcast, Managing the Juggle, which is for women who want a satisfying career and a fulfilling family life. I do some teaching for the College of Law, particularly in the Legal Practice Management course, and I'm sure there are some other bits and pieces, but look, let's not make this into a resume. So like I said before, I'm often asked, Lucy, we want to hear your story, we want to know more about what you do, how are you doing law differently, and particularly about my career path, and I thought this would be a good opportunity to do that. So I thought 10 for 10 sounded like a good idea, and I've got 10 reflections from my 10 years at Birmingham Ride. Number one, I thought it made sense to start at the beginning, and in many ways I started my journey in law differently. I started as a legal executive, which was my job title back then, which is effectively a law clerk. Now, this wasn't a vacation clerkship. It was a permanent part-time position during uni semester and then full-time during uni holidays. I was given real work to do. I had my own clients and files. Right from day one, I was managing my own matters. We still offer these programs here at the firm. We call it a cadetship program where we hire law students and undergraduates and postgraduate students to work for us in permanent positions. These really are a win-win because the employee gets real valuable experience, training, mentoring and we get the benefit of keen, willing employees who are committed to learning, who obviously bring lots of new ideas and who are really able to make a valuable contribution to the business. This is very different from a vacation clerkship where people might be put into a certain work area for a week or two, and then they're rotated around. Obviously, one of the disadvantages of that is just as people get up to speed on the work that they're doing, they're moved off onto something else. Whereas with these positions, they're permanent part-time positions, which really enable people to get a real handle on the work that they're doing and, like I said, make a really valid and meaningful contribution. The second reflection has got to be the support that I've had along the way, and I have had a lot of it. There's always been someone to talk to, to knock out an idea or to help me. In particular, my supervising partner, Michael, has been a really fantastic leader and is definitely, and is still today, a role model for me. Working and collaborating with him is definitely one of the reasons why I love what I do so much. I think the way we experience our jobs comes down to the people far more often than we expect. I've always had a great relationship with the people who I work with, and that definitely makes work a lot more enjoyable. Insofar as the coaching and mentoring goes, I've interviewed hundreds of law undergrads and law graduates over the last few years. And having heard their stories, I know that unfortunately this kind of supervision isn't something to be taken for granted more often than not, I hear stories about juniors being absolutely thrown in the deep end and sent to sink or swim, basically, and given very, very little coaching, mentoring or training from the people who are supposed to be supervising them. Not only does that have risk management written all over it, it's just not a good way to manage an employment relationship. The third reflection is around developing contacts law. That's the practice management software that I mentioned before. Gemma Nugent asked me about the tools that I've introduced to enhance business processes, and it started for me with system design and process improvement. When I think back on the last 10 years, one of the defining moments in my career happened in probably about 2011, when I first started dabbling in process improvement. We created a conveyancing product with a flat rate and fixed pricing structure. It was the first of its kind in WA, and we were overwhelmed with new business. Now, this was great for the business, but maybe not so much for me, as I was at that time the only member of the practice area, and I was in this cadetship, remember, so I was working part-time while studying. I started to feel really frustrated because I was doing work that I didn't love, it was stressful, it kept me awake at night, but instead of throwing in the towel, which I'll admit I did think about doing, (laughs) instead I asked, how can the computer do this for me? And this really begun my journey with the development of our practice management software. I began to work really closely with our software developer to help me develop workflow technology. I remember mapping out the workflow for these matters on a file note, and it wasn't something that anybody had asked me to do. It was just that I wasn't enjoying the work and I wanted to find a different way of achieving the outcomes that our clients were engaging us to achieve. So this was really the start of my interest in process improvement, technology and business management. And I guess in many ways, the start of my Doing Law Differently journey. And it's continued on ever since. I definitely believe that there's a process behind everything and every work I do or my team does has some sort of workflow or process of some kind, whether it be that conveyancing process that I just spoke about, Checking whether we hold a will in safe custody, hiring a new employee, requesting and paying money from trust, or even the process to analyze a legal issue or deliver a legal service. All of the processes that we complete on a routine basis have been mapped and have been codified in some way. And I know this work sounds terrifying or perhaps terrifyingly boring to some, but it really is work that I love. Number four babies at work this has got to be a highlight for me I had my first child Lily in 2016 and I very very quickly found myself wanting to return to work I took Lily into the office to say hello to everyone and check in and I found that I just kept going back with Lily in tow and she ended up coming in to work with me until she was about 11 months old Now look, this was a win-win. It meant that I could breastfeed, I could be with Lily, but I could also still be at work, which is really one of my happy places. I felt accepted and supported as a whole person and I knew that my bosses wanted to help me make my personal life work for me just as much as I wanted to help make the business work for them. No one batted an eyelid as Lily sat in her high chair at the lunch table and tried her very first taste of all sorts of food. I even took her to the ALTMA conference, the ALTMA summit, when she was five months old over in Melbourne. And I had no idea how that would go down, but I had so much support and interest from most of the people there. And I think I probably met far more people than I would otherwise because everybody wanted to see this baby. So the babies at work experience was really a highlight, has been a highlight of my career. I don't so much necessarily remember the work I was doing at that time, but I do remember how I felt. And yes, exhausted is probably on the list of emotions, but supported is up there too, more than perhaps some of the others. So when I fell pregnant a second time, it was quite obvious to me that I would just do the same thing again. It was different second time around. I did take a few months off before I went back to work, but I didn't experience any of the pressure of returning to work that so many struggle with because it is a real challenge. Number five, the next reflection is about outside skills. So it was about the time that I had Lily that I also started to really realize the value of developing skills and hobbies outside of work and how unintentionally they would bring so much benefit to the work that I do. Not long after Lily was born, I started to write a blog about working motherhood, partly as a hobby, but more so because I was craving community and I was trying to find the people out there who were like me, who had children but who also had a career and who were quite happy with both of those aspects of their lives. In doing that, I taught myself some really basic web design skills. I learned about SEO. I learned about content marketing and other forms of marketing. And when I returned to work, I decided that the firm needed new websites. So I built a mock-up to show why this random idea was actually completely essential. And we actually used my mock-up version for a while before I decided we needed a far more professional look and feel and we got a web designer to do it for us. And that website led to many, many more. If you have a look at our firm, you'll see that Birmingham Ride is the umbrella for many other brands. But the key point here is how some of the skills that I learned and that I taught myself outside of my day-to-day role actually became quite essential and really important in the way that we do business today. It also led to my keen interest and involvement in positioning and marketing, and definitely some of those skills have changed the way that we do things within the firm and have led to some of our successes. The next reflection is related to those interests, but it's more about white space, taking time off from the day-to-day, I took three months off work after my son was born, my second child, and that's the longest time that I've not worked. Yes, I had a baby, so I was quite busy, but I also went about upskilling and trying to learn some really different skills to the kind of skills I was using day to day. So I went to meetups and events that I never managed to fit in while I was working. I did some online courses like IDEO's Design Thinking I went to events that would never have even crossed my radar before, like DDD Perth. I read and read and read and listened to hundreds of podcast episodes. And I went and met with other professionals for coffee, all sorts of things to keep me thinking, but to try and broaden my horizons a little bit. So I learned a lot, and by the time I went back to work, I returned with about four pages of business development ideas for our business, and my return to work meeting actually involved sitting down with Michael, talking to him about all these ideas I'd had for how we could change our business, or where we needed to improve certain processes, or how about this new product or service idea. None of that would have happened if I hadn't have had that time out from the daily grind. And having that time out, whether to have a baby or otherwise, more likely otherwise, is so, so important. Have you got your hands on my new ebook? It's filled with 80 short, sharp, and practical tips to help you firm your foundations, sort your strategy, and optimise your operations so that you can modernise your law firm. Get your copy at lucydickens.com.au forward slash ebook. Today is another good example of that. Today is a day off for me. I've been with my now one-year-old and four-year-old doing really fun stuff like grocery shopping and playing at the park and in the garden. But I've also been listening to an audiobook in the background. And somewhere along the lines, I had an idea for a new product at our firm. It is an idea that I've had before and I'm pretty sure is scribbled on a file note somewhere, but all of a sudden I can picture it and I am convinced that we need to action it. So I will probably spend tonight mapping this idea out so I can go and share it with everyone tomorrow and get started on building the MVP. But the point is that these ideas don't always happen when we're focused on what's in front of us. And it's really, really important to have that time away to let the ideas flow. Number seven, an encouragement of strengths. I'm very much at peace with the fact that I am not good at everything. I'm not a litigation lawyer and the thought of standing in a courtroom makes me very, very nervous. That's definitely not the type of career in law that I ever saw myself having. So I'm very grateful that at Birmingham Ride, I've always been encouraged to work to my strengths. Now, look, there's been the appropriate amount of pushing me outside of my comfort zone. But in the most part, I've been encouraged to work out what I'm good at and what I enjoy and do more of that. And that's definitely an approach that I try to take with the staff that I manage. I'm very intentional about talking to them about their goals, talking to them about where they see their career headed, the type of work that they like to do, working out how we can structure their roles to give them more of the kinds of things that they're interested in. And the kinds of things that they're good at. Reflection number eight is that it's always a journey. Sarah Bass asked me how I knew which direction to head, who helped me, and how I kept my energy going. And reflecting on that led me to thinking about this idea of a journey. And careers are always a personal and a professional journey. There's no end point where you feel like you have arrived and that you've achieved and you know that you're done. Or maybe when you retire, but I'm a while away from that. So I definitely haven't experienced that. But in terms of direction, I think it's mostly evolved naturally. I got the job, the cadetship program, because at the time my boyfriend and I wanted to buy a house and I needed money. Of course, I had no idea of the journey that I was about to embark on and since then My direction has been led by my skills and interests as well as the business's needs. So in terms of direction, I guess I've always been very open in working out because it is a small business after all. Where does the business need me? What does it need me to do? And then what can I take from that? How can I use it to my advantage? How can I develop whatever the work is that I'm doing to make it better or easier or more streamlined for whoever is going to be doing it next? A lot of it really has been about trying to make myself redundant. There are times when I've basically been a full-time supervisor of staff, maybe doing little to no legal work myself. And other times when I have been completely engaged in the practice of law. Sometimes they have evolved because of the business needs. And sometimes it's been a case of me saying, this is what I want to do and here's how it will work and coming up with a plan. I guess that in part answers your question, Sarah, about energy. If I've started to feel bored or like I'm not getting enough variety or if I'm not challenged enough or if I'm not learning new skills, I ask myself what I can do to change that and fix that. I'm a very introspective person so I'm asking myself these kinds of questions all the time, maybe too much. Number nine, Melanie Eleonora asked me, how my approach to navigating obstacles has changed as the years have progressed. She says, personal and emotional obstacles, professional ones, and the obstacles we have in our heads. How has your internal dialogue changed? I think the answer to this is about confidence. I know from training many law grads over the years that confidence is something that we really have to nurture. And I'd say that my approach to navigating all those different obstacles has changed as I've become more confident in my own abilities definitely having a much better understanding of the gravity of certain issues. So smaller things that might have kept me awake at night in the past don't do so much now. But I also know myself and my own priorities better. And that's always important when weighing up different decisions and different approaches. The other part to that is that I've built a network of trusted friends whose opinions I can ask for. And this is really, really important. Michael, who I mentioned before, is one of them, and he's someone who I go to for advice on personal and professional issues. Having those people in our corner who we trust and can help us navigate those obstacles, especially people who we know have our best interests at heart, is really, really important. So in terms of navigating obstacles, I think having a better understanding of who I am as a person, what's important to me, as well as building that network of people who I can go to For support and who I can rely on. I feel like this is getting way deeper than I ever intended when I set out to share these 10 points. So let's kind of shift pace a bit and go with the last one, number 10, which is this podcast and the Doing Law Differently journey. It seems appropriate to recognize this podcast in my reflections. It really marked a point in my career where I realized that I had quite a unique view on the business and the practice of law and quite a different approach As well as a lot of experience that a lot of people wanted to hear about, I was being asked more and more and more, how are you doing that and why are you doing that? And I made a commitment to really immerse myself in the broader profession, not just within the walls of this firm. But of course, nothing really exists in a silo. And so stepping out of the firm's brand and building my own hasn't only been positive for me, but for the firm too, in many, many ways. I'm now able to share a lot of the practical skills that I've developed from legal business myself and at the same time, all of the things and the conversations and the ideas and the people who I meet through the podcast and the coaching that I do, I can bring that back into the firm as well. So there are my 10 reflections, where it all began as a legal executive, the support and the mentoring, my law tech journey with Contacts Law, taking my babies to work The importance of really nurturing those skills and interests outside of what we do day to day, and as well as that, the need for white space, blank space, time off to just reset and let our subconscious mind process some of the ideas we have and some of the things that we do. The focus on strengths in our way of working, the fact that we are forever on a journey of personal and professional development, self-confidence, and of course, this podcast and doing law differently. I'm sure there are other points that I haven't mentioned here, but these were the 10 that kind of came to mind first for me, as well as towards the end, they're answering some of the questions that you had for me. I'd love to hear some of your career reflections, whether they're 10 years in one place or you're just getting started on your journey in law. I challenge you to think of three points in your career that have been pivotal moments for you and think about why they were and what it was that you learned. That's all for now. I would love to hear your thoughts on this episode, as well as your reflections on your career. And as always, if you found it valuable, I'd love it if you could leave a review on Apple Podcasts. It really helps other people find out about the show and makes all my talking into a microphone feel like it's worthwhile. So it was a slightly different episode for today, but next week I will be back with another interview. I've spoken to Rachel Hempling of The Separation Place. And she shares some really practical behind the scenes kind of peeks into what she does at The Separation Place as a mediator, but also as the creator of some excellent online courses. So I'm looking forward to sharing that with you next week. Thanks again for tuning in to Doing Law Differently. If you enjoyed the episode, I'd love you to share it with someone else who you think will love it too. You can find all our past episodes at doinglawdifferently.com.au.